This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast round two, let's say. Fritzy, how you doing, buddy? Yes, the Jeff Jenkins version of... <laughs> This podcast, uh, uh, hand up. We never, we never lie to the high hopes never. listeners. It's one of, it's the staple of this podcast. I, I would say it's actually the only reason people keep coming back because they say to themselves, you know what, those guys don't lie to us, and uh, we're not going about to start that now. So last week, Thursday, sent out the <laughs> sent, sent out the bat signal. Said yeah, we're buddy. recording. We watched so, game for anyone real quick, just so you can be up to date here. If you have not watched Game Five, two thousand eight World Series again, pause this pod and go watch it because that's going to be what we're talking about. But we yes. we watched Game Five and we got together. What was it last Thursday to yep. record? We got fifty two minutes into the podcast, so we're in the home stretch. And it, what happened, Jack? My computer died. Um, <laughs> now, you're probably saying to yourself, how does your computer die? Don't you see that coming? And yes. It's, it's, I, to be fair, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It, it is a fair question. But let me just counter, <laughs> counter with this. It died on 10%, which I think is ridiculous. It had never died on 10% before. I've had this computer since my like sophomore year of college. Like I've been through trials and tribulations with this computer, and it had never died at 10%. Like My charger was in the other room because I was recording in a different room. Now, I'm in that same room, but my computer is plugged in this time. So, hey! Yeah, so it wasn't great. I felt really bad about it. We were 52 minutes in. You did. Uh, of bad. a podcast that I thought was pretty good. I thought it was great. Not not to, great. you know, tease the listeners too much, but it was a damn good podcast. Yeah, and, and this is not the Bryce Harbor podcast all over again where we can just post the... Post the right. The, yeah, no, this is all gone. It's all And gone. also, well, two parts of that. One, my wife has been walking around the house for the last week saying, release the James cut. <laughs> Which would just be me talking and silence for like three minutes at a time. Yeah, that'd be awkward. We probably won't do that. But it's also different from the Bright Harbor podcast because this is the first time we're like, you know, repeating it in a way. Because the Bryce Harbor pod was was new. We had talked about he wasn't going to come and then he was coming. So it was brand new. This we're like doing the same thing. Yeah, just have to sell it again. Um, <laughs> well, let me let me not miss something that that I mentioned in the last one that I want to I want to make sure I hit on. Going back to the beginning of this one and technically the last one too, I don't I want I, I'll be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that when I did the yo the first time and thus this time too, I thought about what it would be like to actually do the yo. Yeah. After the Phillies won a World Series, and this is a conversation we had, but uh, you know. It's going to be special someday, Jack. Yeah, it's a, it's a podcast that I'm not sure I'm ever going to fully be ready for. <laughs> oh, no. Well, because, like, I'm, all right. Now, we're both in way different parts of our life Call this time old. around. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I mean, 
you were still in your 30s for 2008. I was, I was a freshman. I was in my 20s for 2008, asshole. <laughs> I was a freshman in high school. Um, that, that was one of those where you weren't just trying to make me feel old and joke. You actually thought I was in my 30s. So that's great. You know, close enough. Um, but, but, like, that's going to be a podcast that. It's just gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be something that I've never experienced before. It's gonna be a lot of crying, and like this time around, it's gonna be way more special because we'll be with the high hopes listeners, and and they'll they'll be with us through the whole journey, and hopefully, you know, the the audience continues to grow. But like that, uh, a, a podcast after the Phillies win the World Series would just be insane. I was actually, as I was rewatching the game, I was thinking, wow. What if we had to do a podcast after this? I mean, it'd probably be it'd be very uh, be a very drunk podcast. Uh, but oh I also, yeah, buddy! I think that's what the podcast would call for. So uh, here's to hopefully one day being able to record uh, Phillies are world champions podcast. I don't know when it's going to be, but eventually we will be able to do one. Yeah, the whole thing might just be me going yo. It might just me elongating the yo for an hour. Well, it would it would be a yo in the pod, and that's it. It would be a yo that would eventually just turn into you crying. It'd be like, yo! (laughs) Considering, as we'll get to, I definitely cried during the rewatch of Game 5 of 2008. Yeah, I'm guessing it would be me crying. Yeah, I too too welled up. I too welled up. I welled up. Um, It was was fun to go back. It was fun to go back. I, uh, I, I missed some portions of that game. I missed portions of that team. I missed the way they played baseball. Um, And... Uh, you know, I, I've long been a proponent of Joe Buck is better than people say he is. Like I, oh, I actually love, it's one of my life I, life ethoses, really. Dude, I love Joe Buck. Love Me Joe too. Buck. Huge but Joe Buck. I, I will say, was dreadful during the <laughs> during that oh, yeah. World Series. Oh yeah, the, honestly, end of the night is really the only thing he did good that whole run. Um, well, well I he's remember, ta- uh, and he's uh, talked about it too. It's like I guess whenever the vocal cord thing happened to him, like 2011 or whatever, like he totally changed how he went about his business, and he was like, "I should put emotion to this. I should actually, you know, feel what I'm saying instead of trying to do a Pat Summerall impression." Yep. And well, he he also was saying how like uh, it just got into his head too much of trying not to anger the fan base he was calling the game in um and just started calling the game like he knows he could so you know so what if it was during the peak of phillies baseball in my lifetime and, <laughs> and we got a dog crap version of joe buck it uh it, you know this this podcast is all about letting people grow and joe buck has definitely grown since the 2008 world series and the whole run uh because man just a brutal effort <laughs> in 2008 all right, before we dive into the game, uh, speaking of Joe Buck is a nice little segue. And we, this is maybe the one advantage of your computer dying and us getting to the podcast today as opposed to last week is really quickly before we dive into the 08 Game 5 rewatch, repod, whatever we're going to call it, um, 11 years ago today, we lost Harry Cows. Uh, we're yep. recording Monday night, April 13th, 11 years ago today. Um. What, you know, thoughts on Harry and what it's like 11 years later for you? Yeah, so today uh, we did a whole, we did a lot of Harry stuff today on the show. So my whole morning was pretty much just 
looking at all these old clips and yes and jack coming into the studio that my producing studio that i was in being like how do i cut this down to five great ones we have to have the five best i what am i supposed to do here how do i choose this over this there's so many great ones that was what happened earlier it was a stressful it was a stressful morning i'm not gonna lie i mean hold on can i can i run through my cut list please yes you tell me how i'm supposed to get five of harry's best calls uh biggio's home run off of billy wagner which uh, I totally forgot about until I put it out on Twitter and start, people started reminding me. So this is a call where, where the Phillies are trying to make a run uh, late September. It was September 7th, and Biggio hits a tank shot off Wagner to give the Astros like a three-run lead. And like, he, he ends the call with, well, the, they're all unearned, but who cares? <laughs> That's great. Uh, Chase Utley, you are the man, a staple. Staple. Uh, the Abreu inside the park home run. The Burl walk off versus the Giants. Pat Burl! Uh, t- uh, Tomei's 400th. Uh, the Trio triple against the Astros in game five. An, an amazing call. The Trio Unbelievable triple call. is an amazing call. Unbelievable call. Uh, Phillies win the pennant. Schmidt's 500th. I'm getting there. Phillies win the pennant in 93. <laughs> Phillies win the pennant in 93. Phillies win the pennant in 1980. Schmitty's 500th. Kim Batiste single Kim in game one. Kim Batiste. Uh, Blanton home run in game four of 08. Uh, Mitchie Poo. Mitch, that's an uh, amazing call. The Mitchie Poo calls an amazing Phil, call. Phil's clinched the NL East in 2008. Phil's clinched the NL East in 2007. Which uh, is also, I, 07 is a great call. Oh, it's great call. too, but 07 with the years of waiting and stuff was a great, great call. Dude, every time I see the 07 call, I automatically start welling up a little bit. Yeah, like that, no, it, the 07 call hits me like hard. That is one yeah. of my, my personal favorite. That team meant so much to me. I, I, I love the 07 Phillies, and I like the, that was the first time I'd ever seen rally towels. Well, no, it wasn't. I mean, they played the Nationals that whole series leading up to it, but that was like, it was like, wow, the Phillies are actually going to the playoffs. Um, Utley single to beat the Mets in 07. Obviously, the final out of the World Series. The Rick Wise no hitter and the George Vukovic pinch hit walk off. Like you tell me how to narrow that down to five. And Schmidt's five hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schmidt's five hundred, of course. It's impossible. It's so, it's impossible. So the way I ranked him today, because I, I did my ranking of the five best Harry calls. Uh, number five, it was uh, two thousand seven NL East. Mm-hmm. Number four was Chase Utley. You are the man. Yep. Number three was the Trio Triple. Mm-hmm. Number two was Schmidt's 500th. Although, in Schmidt's 500th, it always, it just, it, I just want to know, I want to know why he didn't say out of here. He did. Like it's a great he said, He says really out of here. I about it until you said that to me earlier today. He says out of here on like every single call ever. But it's and so then, powerful. The Schmidt 500 is so, yeah. like his, like there's so much power behind the voice. It just, it sticks with you. It was one of those calls that didn't need it. It, yeah, it just it didn't, it didn't need it. it. Yeah. Um, and then number one was 2008. So Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like 2008 might not have been the best compared to like specifically just the call. But like the fact that Harry finally got to call a World Series victory and the emotion with which he did it. Um, I think it has to be number one. It just has to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you loved Harry and you grew up with Harry and you knew the fact that he wasn't able to call the 1980 World Series and, you know, 20 
eight years later, he's finally able to call one. Yeah, totally. Like that's just that's just that's just crazy awesome. So you feel for Harry in that moment, but yeah. And, and going back and listening to all the calls today, the thing that I I guess I took for granted or whatnot was how much he genuinely sounded like he cared about the Phillies, the fans, the players, like. Those guys in like the '93 Phillies, they loved Harry, and like Harry was a, basically a part of the team, and you could kind of hear that coming across in in what he was what he was saying over the air, and like he genuinely loved just baseball, and I love anyone that loves baseball. So we know, uh, yeah, I mean anyone who is down to talk baseball, I automatically love. So uh, it was it was I just remember, I mean 2009, I was a sophomore in high school and i remember i was at one of those horrible uh, assemblies for like i don't know probably dare or something and i just dare or something i just remember i got like the text or i don't even know if twitter twitter was like barely around at this point but i definitely wasn't on it and i just remember like not focusing the rest of the rest of the assembly um and then i had a practice after that which sucked so it was a very, very sad day. One of those moments where you definitely remember exactly where you were um, when he found out that HK had passed. Yeah. And um, the other thing, too, is I think that, first and foremost, how about the fact that this podcast is named what it is because of Eric Callis? So oh. very, very, very simply, I mean, that's where that comes from. But I also think that, and as someone who is, you know, so old and all that. Um, Ancient. You know. I um I do think that that I don't ever you know as someone who's seen a lot of baseball heard a lot of announcer stuff I do think that you know not that we could ever take it for granted but like to make sure we don't take for granted how special it was that we had Harry Callis and that there are not many Harry Callises you know he's one of a handful of the all time all time greats to ever call this game that we love and. The fact that we got to grow up with him as a, a part of our our life, like a part, like you welcome Harry Cows into your home. And for me, it was Harry and Whitey, you know, when I was much younger and like, like that was baseball to me. Like the uh. sounds of baseball was Harry Cows and Richie Ashburn, like shooting the bleep about baseball. You know what I mean? So I'm I, so, I, I'm so jealous. You got to see Harry and Whitey. I know. And like it's. It was amazing, and they loved each other, and you could feel it. You could feel the chemistry, and um, just to have someone like Harry Giles, who was, was, like you said, such a huge fan of the game, but also such a powerful, distinguished voice who also was, you know, just had the feel of the game and when to let it breathe and when to speak and all that stuff just down so perfectly. I just, I don't think we can ever, like, it's hard to truly appreciate how lucky we were to have that. Yeah, I mean, he was the staple. I mean, everyone was. I I just think it's. I just think it's so cool that like every summer you knew you're gonna have Harry. Like I I grew up with Harry Harry Sarge. I don't really remember L.A. being in the TV booth. I I remember him and Fransky more so. Um, but like every night at seven o five, I'm gonna be able to listen to Harry, and it's just like. That's the kind of connection that was so special, and it was the sound of summer, and and you could be down the shore, like just Harry at the shore, with like you know obviously I couldn't drink by then, but like I wish I was able to drink and watch Harry 
and watch a call baseball game. And like, I just, and it's nothing against T Mac. Like, I, I like T Mac a lot, and I, I think he's good, and I think he's a bit a bit underrated. But like, HK was just a different level, and uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, you try not to take it for granted, but unfortunately, it kind of felt like we kind of did. So, but I, uh, yeah, what a guy. What a guy. Shout out to HK. Thank you for helping us name our podcast, Harry. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's dive in. Speaking of that, you know, that call and the fact that Harry Cows did get to actually call a World Series championship and that's the, the call that Well that's what's we, so poetic. It's like it's like he finally gets it and then and then goes. Like that's crazy. It's crazy. Honestly, it, it is legitimately crazy. It really is. I'm so grateful that he got the opportunity to call it. And he nailed it. Um, all right, let's let's dive in. And again, this is your last chance. Pause the pod if you have not watched Game Five, two thousand eight. There are some great compilations on YouTube with no commercials and all that, which was delightful. Shout out to whoever did that. Um, all right, let's dive in. First and foremost, just on the top, on a basic level, in rewatching this game, my biggest takeaway, and it's obviously very obvious and clear, but is I can't believe this was a suspended game, Jack. I can't believe that when the Phillies finally won the World Series, we saw a spe- It was two days. Two days later, we saw the end of the World Series. It's so... I know in the moment it was crazy. It's crazy now to go back and remember just how absurd what happened was. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember one thing from, <laughs> from the game being suspended to game five restarting with the Jenkins double. Like, I don't remember one thing that happened. I think I was, you know, I think I remember kind of being in class and just knowing I wasn't going to get anything done uh, because I was only thinking about (laughs) what's going to happen when this World Series restarts. And, hey, the Phillies might win the World Series. Like, just, it's such a, it's so classic Philadelphia. Oh, my God. The whole thing is, it's just, it's so Philly it hurts almost. Like, First off, there haven't been a championship since 1983, obviously, with the Sixers. No Phillies since 1980. So there was that 25-year wait just to see a world championship. You had the curse of William Penn, which I definitely believed in. Like, there was no no big... (laughs) Like, I just... I was all in on the curse of William Penn and it, it not letting us... Um, win a championship. So yeah, who that. knew all they needed was a tiny little baby William Penn statue to put on the top of yeah. the Who knew? Well, who they should have started. They, they should have tried that earlier. I mean, who maybe, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the Eagles, maybe the Eagles would have won. You know, it what didn't cause us so much heartbreak. Um, but yeah, no, because I was listening to uh, you guys, obviously, when, on my drive in, and the camera made this point of like. Uh, <laughs> So let's say the game doesn't get restarted because at, at yes. that point, if, if the Phillies if the Phillies held a two one lead, it would have been called a ball game. Yes, this been... is if the if the run had not scored in the six, if they had called it when they probably should, which was well right. before they allowed that run to score in the Crazy. downpour of rain that was coming. Yeah, yeah. If they if they call it then, then the Phillies are technically World Series champions, but. Like if you're David Montgomery, do you take the world championship and with no say, celebration, with, with no, no celebration, no actual moment? Like again, think about the history of baseball. Can you think of one moment where a team won the World Series and didn't have a moment where they wanted to strike out a pop out of this that? No, because it's never happened. Yeah, all down the drain. Um, so like like, do you choose that and just take the lock World Series or? Do you say, no, we'll play and oh, run the risk of blowing it? It's like and, an all-time tough call. They didn't have to make it, 
But what a call. I mean, man, because like in theory, you say, no, 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 we want to win the World Series fair and square and right. But at the same time, like what if the Rays come back and win it? Then it's like you're the biggest boner in the history of this in the sports, much less Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have been the most Philadelphia thing ever for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Phillies technically win the World Series. And then they say, no, 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 we want to win it on our own terms. And then, you know, for uh, they lose they lose two and a half straight. And boom, <laughs> the dream is over. Imagine? They lose to the oh Yankees the next God. year. I actually get, like, a little uncomfortable thinking about it because it feels so plausible to me. Um, well, listen, if, if that had happened, there is, like, I, if I was able to bet at that point, I would put my whole bank account on the Rays winning the World Series because – that just that just doesn't happen in this city. So um, thank God. Hey, you know, I, I think I have this written in there later, but I'm actually glad the the, the Rays tied it up. I I'm glad that they played through that absolute <laughs> downpour. Uh, I guess I'm glad that a ball that Jimmy Rollins gets to a hundred times out of a hundred was able to get through. And uh, I was now obviously World Series in hand makes this a lot easier to say. Yeah, it's a little easier. I'm glad that the Rays tied it up in Game Five, and the Phillies won fair and square. Because I mean, is there anything more notorious than Tampa Bay Rays fans just complaining about championships? I mean, talk about a <laughs> talk about a ruthless fan base that tr- struggles to get over things. Would have never uh, let us forget it, Jack. Yeah, I mean, just a fan base that is so bitter. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually glad. That the Rays tied it up. I you... love. I love that you just implied that the Tampa Bay Rays have a fan base. That's nice. Yeah, there. yeah. They, uh, they, they. Phew, man, don't want to, don't want to <laughs> anchor that fan base. <laughs> All right, let's let's dive in. We'll go with uh, part one and part two as we break this down for the two parts. First and foremost, let me say on a basic level, I remembered nothing of part one as I went through it. Like it was almost shocking to me how. Well, little... you are old, so. That's true. I didn't remember where I was. I remember part two, like, as vividly as I remember any sporting event in my life. I remember every little detail. I remember where I was. I remember all of it. I had no memories of part one. I actually had to text my brother and my brother's best friend, Matt, who's like my other little brother. And Matt told me, we were together. We went to the basement of a restaurant in Philly, which I know was Rembrandt's, which is not there anymore, but it's where I watched part two, too. He said, James argued with another group away from the front James argued another group away from the front table closest to the projector. We were banging on the table so hard during the Let's Go Phillies chance that the staff and others were concerned. So that sounds I would right. Just, I would have loved to see uh, you just walking in there demanding that table. Super intense, man. I'm, like, I came in and I must have been like, no, 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 no. It's my table. Yeah. Get out. You came in like you came in saying, 11 years from now, I'm going to be hosting a podcast. <laughs> I am one of the leaders of the Phillies fans. You in know this city. who I am. Yes, you don't know me yet, Get but eleven years from now, <laughs> you are going to know you exactly know who me. I am. Uh, yeah, I mean that sounds about right for you. You you <laughs> certainly don't seem to have a problem. Uh, trying to get your way no um so that's that seems very plausible yeah and uh i like that hammer james has no idea what happened in the first (laughs) half of like all right hold on hold on moron what happens if the phillies had won that night like i don't know maybe maybe i'd remember it better (laughs) 
Like, yeah, you, you, I mean, first off, you should be, like, you know, thrilled that the Rays tied it up and it got suspended because you probably don't remember the Phillies winning their first World yeah. Series. Well, I feel like I wouldn't remember it if it were, you know, if it had not ended the way it did. That's a bold call by you. It's a it's a really bold call to get too drunk for a for I wasn't a possible too drunk. championship. I just don't remember it. All right, let's dive in. But you remembered game two, like it was well, nothing. Because they I won mean, the World Series. Context, Jack. Okay, well, I mean, let's 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 break down what uh, super exciting ninth grade Jack was doing during <laughs> oh, during. What, what was ninth grade Jack doing? So ninth grade Jack was convinced that he had a set spot that only he so could sit in. Hold up! So you're saying ninth grade Jack is exactly the same as now Jack? Is what you're saying? Not much difference, but but twenty <laughs> five year old Jack learned from ninth grade Jack. So um, explain. Oh, okay. So I have my spot, right? And I'm convinced that you can't win a World Series or a championship till you find your spot. And my spot was on my parents' couch where I had to sit diagonal to the TV screen with my feet in a perfect little location mm-hmm. to where that was my spot. And if I didn't sit there, I thought they were going to lose. So finding a key spot is one of the keys to winning a championship. Not many people talk about that. Um, <laughs> no, people don't really talk about that. It's one of the keys to success. But but so I took this, obviously great knowledge that I learned in 2008 and this experience and and I used it during the Eagles Super Bowl run and unfortunately for me I had to spend the whole entire season and subsequently the Super Bowl run at the station because I worked all the games so I had to find my spot there found my spot very early in the season carried that spot all throughout the postseason and ended up winning a Super Bowl now once you find a spot you cannot leave the spot like that's just you know, that's, that's the rules of the spot. The, the key is finding the right spot. It takes a while. I thought I had the spot in 2009. Uh, I did not in 2009. I lost it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so ninth grade Jack was had his Facebook up on his parents' desktop upstairs, just, you know, live-tweeting the game or live-Facebooking the game. That was back when Facebook was, uh, they would say, Jack Fritz is, you know. Do you remember those days of Facebook? You know I don't, Jack. It was awful, awful. I, I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. You couldn't, you couldn't actually, you know, tweet whatever. Like it'd be like Jack Fritz is, uh, hey, the Phillies scored four runs this inning. I don't know. It was stupid. So I had that upstairs, and then once the game was starting, I was locked into the spot. So that's that's where I, ninth grade Jack was watching the Phillies. It's a beautiful thing. All right, let's dive into actual takeaways from the game. I'll start. My number one takeaway as I'm watching Cole Hamels just mow them down in the first inning was Cole Hamels was so good, man. What a run from this guy. Like, would have gone 5-0 and in the playoffs if they had won this game. We don't give Cole enough credit for how unbelievable he was this, this series and this run. I think we give Cole plenty of credit. Not enough credit, Jack! Why? What else? What Why else do you hate Cole? To... Give the man some credit. He was World Series MVP and he deserved it. He did. He, listen, he deserved World Series MVP. I mean, that run was unbelievable. But everyone, like, you can't. Here, all right. Here's what's annoying me: mm-hmm. is that you can't you can't have a rational conversation about Cole Hamels without you being hate him. Like, is that why? Is it is it because you hate him? Is that what you're saying? Without without people saying, "Well, you don't win a championship without him." Like, yeah, you don't. I get you it. don't, Jack. You don't. Facts. I understand. I understand that. But he also cost them in 09, and uh, like he was he was a good pitcher. 
But when we're talking about actual aces, you're talking about the Cliff Lees, you're talking about the Roy Halladay's. Cole Hamels is never in that category. Yeah, except, except for an important one-month stretch in 2008. Sure, no biggie. What about, what about the important one-month stretch in 2009? I don't know. He already had a ring by then, so, you know. Oh, okay. Right. And that mentality <laughs> cost the Phillies it back is, to that It is series. unbelievable. That guy in 08 versus that guy in 09 is it's hard to rationalize it. Like, it's hard to understand how they're the same person. Some are saying that's the same thing that happened to 2008 James and 2009 James. Is that what happened? <laughs> Some are Good. saying that. Good to know. Yeah, no, it, but, but in all seriousness, uh, Hamels was unbelievable. And in watching him again, just, just, just remembering what peak Hamels was like was kind of crazy um, because it was literally, like, his curveball was dog crap. He could sometimes... Uh, cut his fastball a little bit and that'd be all right but for the most part it was 91 it was like actually it was more like 89 to 92 with a change up out of the same like his ability to throw a fastball and a change up from the same exact arm slot at the same exact speed make them all look the same like it's just that is so hard to hit a good change up is just so hard to hit and even though he's a two-pitch pitcher like it just it just didn't matter also i kind of Watching the game, I think the I think the guns are juiced now. Like Hamill throws harder now than he did in two thousand eight when he was twenty four years old. Mm. Like it's just it's just and I was watching the pitches and I was like that looks harder than ninety to ninety one. It just it just looked harder. I don't know, um, but yeah, Hamill's unbelievable. And my other takeaway from while we're on the the subject of Hamill's was that <laughs> like. He was 24 in doing that, and I just could not imagine a 24-year-old being able to do that. Like, I was literally 24 two years ago, and I could not imagine being <laughs> being able to do that. Like, it's just crazy how much pressure is on these young players to, like, lift up a whole city. Like, um, imagine the pressure that was on that kid. No, like, it's he's, wild. It's wild was, to think about that. You're right. He, he was pretty much their only pitcher. I mean, yeah, Blanton never lost a game in a Phillies uniform. Moyer was fine. Uh, Myers was actually really good uh, down the stretch in that run. But, like, it was pretty much Hamels or bust. And you're 25. You have, like, the, the pressure of, you know, Delco Joes, like, 25 years without a championship. And here's 24-year-old Cole Hamels just being like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry. I don't know. It's 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 kind of crazy to think about. I never usually It never usually hits me these guys' age. But I guess when I went back and they were like, and this 24-year-old Cole Hamels is doing it again. It's like, oh, my gosh, this guy was 24? Yeah. How is that possible? It's crazy. I'm with you. It, it, it's something that I always blows my mind, but particularly in this case, really, especially with the tw- like he was younger than it. it like his it, he had been born in a world without a Philadelphia championship. So, like, think about that from that perspective, that his entire life, Philadelphia had never won a championship. And then this guy is asked to win them a championship. It's really crazy. However, Jack, in rewatching and I had must have blocked this out, but. I can't believe they actually won a championship when they had Donovan McNabb doing the lineup for Fox. What a horrible omen. How did they overcome? How is it possible that Donovan McNabb read the Phillies lineup for Fox and yet the Phillies somehow won the game? It's the biggest upset of the century. I mean, <laughs> to, to go with the Donovan to something that happened later that I want to get into, but another bad omen to the World Series being suspended. 
the Phillies should have never won the World Series. It, that, that's just like the, the baseball gods and, you know, whatever else is up there was p- pulling all the strings to try to get the Phillies not to win a World Series. I swear. I swear. In rewatching it, it was like they brought out Donovan. There's something that happened later in the game that, again, I'll get into. And they brought in, like, the hardest rainstorm since earlier today. Um, to <laughs> To, to halt the Phillies from possibly winning a championship. It was ridiculous. I don't appreciate it at all. Um, but, yeah, and Donovan getting through that, like, I would have, well, obviously you don't remember it. I don't remember it really either. But I just would love, I would have loved to have been able to go into my head during that time and being like, oh, this is, this is cute. It's all over. There's no way... <laughs> There's no way anyone in Philadelphia was like, "Oh, sweet Donovan, yeah. thanks." Like, <laughs> there's yeah. just there's just no way anyone was excited to see him get on there. And of course, he was so freaking corny. Like with everyone, every name he did, he was corny. He's just so corny. Yeah, he's the most corny, and I can't believe we actually won the game considering he did that. Intros. What? Give me a takeaway from the first part. What do you got? Uh, so. My main takeaway from the early portion of the game was that the ear flap hats never caught on. Um, I, I, really, I really thought they had a chance there, but they uh, they only made it that World Series. Like I've watched World Series since that point, and no team has worn the ear flaps. But I thought I thought they were going to catch on. At That's that really point, interesting. But... Actually, you're right. They like I I had forgotten about them, and it really never caught on. It looked comfortable. Huh. I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm shocked it didn't catch on. But the year flap hat uh, lived and subsequently died with the 2008 World Series and may never be seen again. It's a shame. I'll give you another takeaway. I had forgotten what no beard Jason Worth looks like. And I know that's silly because I saw more of him without the beard than with it. But the beard has become so full and so yeah. aggressive that I had forgotten what Soul Patch Jason Worth looked like. And by the way, what a freaking awesome player Jason Worth was for the Phillies. I, you forget how great we talk about the whole like, oh, the booing him is so stupid, and we've talked about that so many times. But I think we forget just how crucial that dude was to winning a championship. He was one of the best players on the team in this game. Ah, I mean, Jason Worth was just like a great, straight up. Ball player. He was a ball player. He was a baseball player. Just a great baseball player. Like, stole a shocking amount of bases. Uh, Always seemed to get a big hit when when the Phillies needed it. Uh, One of the more clutch Phillies. And just, like, being able to find a Victorino, being able to find a a Jason Worth, being able to find a J.C. Romero. Like, these guys that, that were pretty much waiver claims at that point. And being able to turn them into key contributors to a championship run, like... That's what's been so frustrating about the Phillies since the start of the rebuild is they really haven't been able to unearth that kind of a talent. They haven't been able to to find a diamond in the rough. And in watching Jason Worth, I was like, holy crap. They got they got like a two ninety batting average with a high OBP, unbelievable right field and like thirty plus home runs for a couple seasons there in a row from Jason Worth. Like a guy they, they brought in out of nowhere. Um and this was two thousand eight was still pretty early. I mean I mean, in the legend of Jason Worth, but I just can't believe like he went to he went to Charlie and he's like, yeah, I think I should be playing more. Like, that, that's a that's a crazy. He's got us a platoon player. I mean, that was the idea. Well, I don't even know. I mean, if it Jeff was that. Jenkins, like Jeff Jenkins, was supposed to platoon with the guy. 
Well, Jeff Jenkins, the way I remember it was he was brought in here to be the starter in right field. And yeah, Jason more or Worth- less. And then Worth just took the job. But originally it was supposed to be at least some form of a platoon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 crazy. Um, and, yeah, Jason Worth just a, a straight-up ball player. There's a, there's a, a moment – Later in the game, I think I think JP Howe was on the mound, and he picked off the first base, and Worth was clearly picked off. But what he did was he he like started running in towards the base path and just making the throw that much harder for Carlos Pena, and that's like underrated baseball intelligence. Like he he had an unbelievable baseball IQ, and, and it was just that play and so many things from that Phillies team. It was just like they knew how to play the game of baseball. They moved runners along. They, you know, I mean, the Rollins bunt later in the game. Like, just they knew how to play the game of baseball. And rewatching it, it was like, wow. Uh, we, like, this is what baseball is supposed to look like before analytics kind of t- took over the Brother, game. I had forgotten about the Shane 2RBI single, by the way. Like, that is oh, totally same. slipped my mind. I mean, just another example of, of Shane – I mean, Shane has the most postseason hits in in Philly's history, and and like just, I think I wrote this down. No, I did write it down. I said, I said I realized watching this game that if I needed a hit, it wasn't one of the big three. It wasn't worth. I wanted I wanted Shane Victorino up. It's a bold if statement. I need, if I needed a big hit, give me Shaner. Uh, just just an unbelievable player. And I think actually DeCamera was talking about it today. I feel like I always catch your your guys' 2008 conversation. Um, <laughs> and just like the spark plug that Shane Victorino was just kind of – like I think in watching the Eagles kind of fall from being a Super Bowl caliber team to, you know, barely winning a crappy division, like it made me kind of think about those teams from 2007 to 11 and how like – Every team kept progressively getting better, even though they won in 08. But really, like the the 10 and 11 team were both better than the 08 team. And I think it was it was guys like Victorino who were just like constant balls of energy and were always ready to go. Um, and then obviously you had the, the stable forces of Howard Rollins and Utley. But like having a Shane Victorino, having like a worth, like there was just a different level of intensity from from those guys. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Victorino is such an, a crucial part of that team in many, many ways. You may not believe the check. I've been described once or twice as a ball of energy myself. Um, I don't see it. A couple other thoughts for me from game one, uh, or part one. I can't believe they bunted Carlos Pena in the second. It made mm. no sense to me. He ended up being their best hitter on the team, and it just felt like giving it out. I thought Joe Madden had a bad game, and we'll get to another big decision later. I thought Joe Madden was – Pretty disappointing. Dude, <laughs> we should have seen the 2016 World Series coming after 2008. I mean, just uh, just some horrendous decisions. I, horrendous! It's like the guy never managed in the National League in his life. Like, it just, just, just truly shocking how awful some... Like, I always just defaulted saying that Joe Madden was one of, was one of the best managers in baseball. Me and too. it's like, every time I watch more, more and more of them, I'm like, well, this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, I, I, I not, a, not a Joe Madden fan. The, the decision he made later in the game was, should, should have been well, we'll get it. Yeah, honestly, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in a big game. Like, you could argue that. It's that bad. We'll get to that. Um, I can't believe they had BJ Upton batting third in a World Series. I know he was a better player at that point than he would prove to be, but it was just shocking to see the World Series lineup and see B.J. Upton batting third. That 
threw me for a loop. Um, yeah, it feels like something that shouldn't happen ever. But no, no. But that um, race team, that race team was so weird, though. It, it was, was like the weirdest team, dude. It was such it, a strange team. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was basically the 2015 Royals, except a couple of years earlier. Like no one, even rewatching it, it was like I'm not even that afraid of Longo. I definitely wasn't afraid of Carlos Pena. There was no one in that lineup that really struck fear into me. Like I wasn't. Re- I know obviously the Phillies won the World Series, so like it wasn't. I can't go back to what I was thinking in the moment. But in rewatching, it was like they don't really have anyone. Longoria is a good player, but like. Carl Crawford, I never thought was a good hitter. Um, no one really scared me. Their speed scared me. Their ability to make stuff happen scared me. But as an overall like offensive unit, there was no one that really scared me. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I will say that the multiple times it happened, uh, if you want to talk about feeling old, I felt really old when Buck kept saying, the rookie Longoria. And I'd be like, wow, Jesus, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I know. I, I felt know. old. I felt old. Even I, rem- even I remember pretty much all yeah. of them. He's a rookie. It's crazy. Um, my last real thought from part one is just the fact that there shouldn't have been a part two because of the fact that the Phillies should have been up by 10 runs. Like, yeah. they had so many opportunities to score. And I remember thinking as, as I was watching it kind of triggered the memory of me. But I remember in the moment being like, why are we only up a run? Why are we only up two runs? What is happening here? But it really, in the rewatch, felt like, how did the Phillies not score five more runs? Yeah, well, and I just, I think I remember thinking, like, we should be up by a 1,000. Like yes. this, and, and thinking, oh, so we'll lose because we can't, you know, capitalize. Because remember. Oh, it felt like whole, it was going to come back to bite us. There was no that, question it felt like it was going to come back to bite us. For most of that series, they really weren't hitting with runners in scoring position. I forget what the numbers were, but I think, I think heading into Game Five, they were three for eighteen with runners in scoring position. Like they just weren't at all getting the job done, and usually that's a a bad sign. Um, but yeah, no, like they they were just so much better than that Rays team. Like they were just they they were they were a much much better uh, uh, team than that 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 Rays team. So I I agree. All right, uh, you got anything else on part one before we move to part two? And again, also on part one, I can't believe they actually did score that run in the sixth inning to tie it. Like, it is mind-blowing to me that that actually happened. But like you said, in hindsight, I'm happy it did. Um, well, I mean, we, we saw it coming a mile away. I mean, as soon as as soon as soon Upton got on first, I was like, well, here, here we go. Right, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Uh, my other takeaways from, from part one was that, like, Scott Casimir was so not intimidating at all. And I, if if you look like a five year old on the hill, yeah, yeah. If you want to actually scare me in a in a in a playoff game, you better have a beard. Like I just I can't take anyone seriously if they're starting a game without a little like at least a five o'clock shadow or a little scruff. Like he was way too baby faced for a game five in like thirty yeah, eight degree he, weather. He was like he was like n- not even like shaving baby face, but like doesn't even need to shave because he can't shave baby face. Baby face. Totally, totally embarrassing. Like you, you can't you can't physically win a baseball game if your starter does not have some kind of scruff by a game five in like late October, early November when you need that kind of stuff. So uh, Scott Casimir, total fraud, um, and he needs to bring back a little scruff if he, if he wants to win a game five uh, on the road in Philadelphia. Uh, another takeaway of mine was, and this is, again, 
very on brand, but as we do on this podcast, sometimes we got to stay on brand. And in watching the game, it just reminded me of so many fraud Phillies fans. Uh, <laughs> and I just don't miss them. I don't miss them one bit. I cannot stand the bandwagon when it got really full. I hate fraud Phillies fans, you know, with their jerseys and, you know, talking about, oh, you know, this is my favorite player. It's like you don't even know these guys. Like you shouldn't even be in the ballpark. I, 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 I'm just going to make this a, a high hopes official statement, high hopes official thing without really consulting you. But <laughs> what else is new? The next time, the next time we have like a playoff watch party or something of that sort, there's going to be a questionnaire. <laughs> I am not. I am not being surrounded or hanging out oh, with fraud Phillies fans. I can't wait to see you turn people away at the door. Yeah, it's like uh, it's, you got a 52 on this. Out. Sorry. See you later. What year were the what? See what year were the? What year were the Phillies founded? They're saying like nineteen, you know, ninety four or whatever. Like, oh, man. just out. I, 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 I almost forgot how much I hated fraud Phillies fans during that run, and this game kind of brought it all back for me. I, <laughs> you were something. Loathe, loathe, loathe them. Um, other takeaway from part one: just totally miss a Rollins Utley double play. Just they execute it every time. Smooth. It's like it's like a, it's like a Tony Parker, Tim Duncan pick and roll, just over and over, and it was always well executed. Just beautiful baseball. Uh, and then watching the Phillies from you know 2012 on, when Utley or Rollins were out, uh, or when it turned into Freddie Galvis and Cesar, or when it turned into Gene Segura and Cesar, just took for granted the beauty of a of a well executed. Double play by those two. They converted what it felt like every single time. And uh, even though Utley threw in a way that looked just painful from afar, he uh, seemed to convert all the time. He whipped, for a it. Guy, he whipped it. For a guy that was labeled as a defensive liability, quote-unquote, and that's the reason why Jimmy Rollins is a better player than he is, um, that uh, it was uh, it's always pretty watching those two convert a double play. Now, the, the last... The last little thing here from from part one, and it was one of the other omens that if I went back to freshman year Jack or blacked out James, we would have been like, "Oh, this is this is classic Phil- <laughs> This is classic Philadelphia. Uh, we're never gonna win anything." But Cole Hamels had his left hand hit yes. on, a, on a bun attempt, like like that. Philadelphia does not come out of that unscathed. I mean, we survived the Carson Wentz knee injury somehow, but like you, I would have bet my life that Cole Hamill's hand was broken, and that whoever was going to come in next was just going to get absolutely lit up. And I cannot believe he went out there and was just fine. Like that's not how this is supposed to work. Yeah, I'm with you. In the moment, it was shocking to think about. All right, 46 hours later, first and foremost, 46 hours later, it's pretty crazy to think that that was when the game continued. Is your computer all right, by the way? You charged? You're good? Yeah, I'm on 99% and only going up. Because we're getting near that point where, you know, I worry. Yep, that's a fair (laughs) worry. It's a fair worry. All right, part two. First of all, how weird is it that the Phillies are batting first at home in the 
you know, bottom six, top, whatever, top of the inning is super weird. I will say it, the intensity was there though. It felt in the moment. I remember thinking, oh, this is somewhat hokey. This feels a little silly. It worked like immediately I was all in. Well, it's like, it's like jumping into a football game in the fourth quarter. Yes. It was weird. It was like, it was like, okay, we have to score now. And I just remember, I remember a little bit, the the couple days leading up to it, it was like, who's Charlie going to have that lead off? And like, how are they going to maneuver this? And how are they going to kind of just come out firing? And it was nuts. And and Buck was saying, I remember Buck, I was rewatching and Buck was like, boy, these Phillies fans, like, <laughs> you wouldn't think that they were subdued for the last two days because <laughs> they were just crazy. And I, I wrote down here, one of my notes was, it just cracked me up how the Rays are taking the field and just getting, you know, the crap booed out of them by yeah, the Phillies fans. It's awesome. Like, who's booing? Like, there's no one booable on that team <laughs> other than that they were the Tampa Bay Rays. But still, like, they were just getting demolished, and it was it was cracking me up. I... I can't believe that's how they won a World Series. Uh, with, it's with, the it's the crazy. It's absurd. That's the point. It's so silly. Yeah, it was it was not very on brand. Very shout unbrand, out brand. shout out to Jeff Jenkins. Jeff, so Jeff Jenkins comes out, rips the double. I thought it was gone at first. Rips the double. Then you mentioned it before, Jimmy. Just a beautiful bunt. Just old yeah. school baseball. And then the king, Jason Worth, bloop single, and. Uh, well, take me through the rewatch of this little sequence here. Well, my first takeaway was like Grant Balfour was throwing 97. And I thought, oh, there's no way the Phillies are hitting this because 97 is like super hard. And now Justin Verlander is throwing 97 in like the eighth inning. <laughs> yeah, now like every reliever on a team except for the Phillies, of course, throws 97. Well, it's so funny. Every time I see it, uh, every time I go back and watch like middle 2000s uh, baseball highlights, which occurs more often than I like to admit, like I'm always. I'm always blown away by Joel Zamaya because, like, Joel Zamaya at the time was like, oh, my God. He's throwing like, 100. He's, he's untouchable. And then now it's like the Phillies have, like, nine Joel Zamayas. Joel Zamaya had, like, two good weeks ever, too. Dude. Joel Zamaya was disgusting. He was nasty. Injuries, injuries ruined him. It's a shame. Yeah. But anyway, like, seeing Grant Balfour throw 97, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is impossible. Um, but it's just funny now that 97's absolutely nothing. And back then, it was definitely like, this is game over. Um, but yeah, the Jenkins double, I didn't think it was out. I thought it was going to be a, a double. I was actually worried Baldelli was going to get up to it. Um, and then just, you could tell how much of a great clubhouse guy jenkins was because he gets on second and you know he's i could just see in his head he wasn't thinking oh i should be playing more it was just like ecstatic to get a hit for his oh, team he was jacked it was awesome it was very yeah good. yeah well one, one of the more underrated celebrations in philly sports that doesn't get talked about you know i would like to see the jeff jenkins double fist pump uh up there with the Allen Iverson crossover. The double fist pump was strong i, I oh. was i was there for it jack Oh, I mean, it's a classic like dad that yeah. just ha- just happened to hit a double in Game Five of yeah. the 2008 World Series. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like if if uh, one of my little league coaches was like Jeff Jenkins for a day and did that, he'd have the same reaction. It was <laughs> it was classic. Like most most uh, Westchester dads by that point have the same reaction when they execute a well a good uh, grill yes. session. Yes. Uh, yeah, flip that burger, double fist. Yeah, and, and in my head, I know this isn't. 
how it actually played out, but he was wearing white New Balances as he was, <laughs> <laughs> or the Air Monarchs when he was on second base. Um, but yeah, and then the the Rollins executed well. Uh, the 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 bunt was beautiful. Now, uh, just... here's the thing. In the moment, too, I felt so perfect because I was like, "Oh, our best pitcher is pitching right now." Ryan Madsen was better than Brad Lidge and even looked nasty that night. And somehow, Rocco freaking Baldelli, Jack. Yep. Rocco Baldelli. Yeah, so I had this written down. I have the Baldelli home run written down. Madsen and... was definitely better than Lidge that year, right? Like, forgetting that. Like, Mad, if you had to face one of those two guys, you'd face Lidge before you face Madsen. Madsen, Madsen has a. Did you know that, that Ryan Madsen has the second most playoff appearances by a reliever ever? Get out of here, really? Yeah, Mariano's first, and then it's Ryan. That is Madsen. unbelievable. You I love Madsen. You could have given me a thousand guesses, and I wouldn't have gotten Ryan Madsen. Right, but I, I, I had the same takeaway as you. Like even when I was watching Brad Lidge in the ninth, I was like, he's not even like nasty. <laughs> I mean, his slider is obviously disgusting, but like, like there was he's no not... zip on the fastball comparatively. Like, how the, how the hell did that guy go forty eight for forty eight? It's unbelievable. Life on a ledge. I mean, it was a it was a pretty serious regression season in two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> but just yeah, and, and Madsen was just disgusting from that point on. Um, and I can't believe anyone hit him. I mean, he was throwing ninety six back then with just a disgusting, disgusting changeup. Um, but yeah, the Ball Deli home run. I've watched a ton of baseball in Citizens Bank Park. I have seen countless numbers of home runs. I would just like to say that that ball is not a home run. To this day, that ball is not a home <laughs> really? run. Really. It's not a home run. I might get some I, pushback on that. I can tell a Citizens Bank Park home run the second it comes off the bat. And that Rocco Baldelli home run was not a home run. There's no doubt about it. Like, the the freaking nerve of that ball getting out, but the Burl home run, or the Burl ball not getting out, and two years, three years later, the Utley and Abanias' ball not getting out is just a travesty. One, It's just... There's no way the Rocco Baldelli home run was actually a home run. I've seen way too many, and I just don't believe it. Okay. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great take. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, that ball should not have gotten out. So, luckily, though, uh, Joe Madden made a massive mistake. Yeah. What was he doing batting J.P. Howell? Like, what is going through your head there? What? Yep. Like, I don't care that you tied the game. Like, what are you doing? It was it was among, no joke, the worst in going back and watching it. I don't know if I felt this way in the moment. I'm sure I felt some version of it, but especially going back and watching it, one of the worst baseball managerial decisions in a big moment I've ever seen in my life. Well, especially because it's not like he had some scrub reliever. He had David Price waiting to go. What are we doing here? David Price threw like forty pitches in the bullpen. Like David, David, it felt like the entire. It felt like David Price was warming up for seven hours. Like all this, David Price still out there throwing pitches. Yeah. Now it makes sense why he didn't do it right away because JP Howe was batting fourth, and you don't want to you don't want to have Price for one inning. You want him to have to go multiple innings. But to let him hit is like 
it's, it's, it's a cr- it's a criminal it, offense. It really was. Like honestly, if they had fired him after the game, I would have been like, "Yep, seems right, seems fair." Well, dude, I'm just saying that if that happened in Philadelphia, and oh, <laughs> I mean, we would have driven him out of town. We would have yeah. literally forced him to leave town. Dude, dude. Like, of course, there's no fan base in Tampa Bay, so you can do whatever. But it's uh, it's up there with how he, he handled Chapman in the 2016 World Series. Just, like, how he handled it, Ronald Chapman in the 2016 World Series was amongst the worst things I've ever seen in my life until I went back and watched 2008 Game 5. Like, now- like people, could talk about, people can talk about Buck Walter not bringing in Zach Britton, and that's perfectly fair. But to let J.P. Howell throw two innings in which his spot is already used in the lineup and having David freaking Price out there ready to go, it's like, do you even know what you're doing? Just clearly never knew how, how NL baseball is played. Totally embarrassing. Now, here's my question. Also with that inning, obviously, how it ended and all that. How, how do we not talk about the Chase Utley play in the lore of Phillies baseball the way we talk about other plays? Like, I that agree. Was, that was the game, and I had I like I remembered the plays that was happening, but I had forgotten just how big it was. Just because I was like, why don't why haven't I been talking about this for the last twelve years? Like, why is this not the play we all point to? Is like the play? Like, what a play! What a what a what a heady! It was such an Utley play, like such a smart baseball type play, but literally saves the game. Like Chase Utley saved the game with that play. Oh my god! And like you, you know, we talk about Derek Jeter's flip. Yes, it was whatever. the same type of play. It was the exact same type of play. Like ex- I mean, uh, Jeter's was closer to the plate and had to go get the ball and whatnot. But like, it was the same type of like understanding baseball, understanding what your job is and what you're supposed to do type of play. It's classic Philadelphia bias. I mean, people just hate the city. That's um, true. I, in all honesty, though, like if that if that happened and it was like you know. Phillies Red Sox or Phillies Yankees. Like, just no one talks about that World Series because it was the race. Like, no one cares. Yeah. No. Like, if that was a more marquee matchup, that's talked about as one of the most unbelievable baseball plays ever. It really and was. It should be. It was. It was. It wasn't. Freaking Jeter's flip. Like, who who says that ball doesn't get to home without him? I mean, it just it just Ooh, a continuation. I like that take. I love that take, dude. He is so the Jeter stuff is just nauseating. We know. I mean, he he needs a fourteen year old to catch a ball to have his first clutch hit ever in the postseason in in against the Orioles. Oh, like, wow, Jeffrey I mean, Mayer. Jeffrey it's, Mayer. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the you remember place, who the outfielder was? The Orioles outfielder looking up at Mayer, like shaking his head. Do you remember who it was? No. How about that Tony Tarasco. Hmm. Nice. But I, I uh, but that play, that play was just crazy. And that's that another example of the 2008 team, just knowing how to play the game and, and knowing how to play the game the right way. And um, just, I agree. Like that, that play should be talked about more than like the stairs home run or yes. uh, like the like the the Blanton home run, like the like, Victorino it, Grand Slam or whatever. Like that play was bigger than all of them. Yeah, it, it literally won them a World Series. So yeah. uh, it's 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 forgotten. It like I'd say the the stairs home run is 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 much like the Philly special. Um, in that they may win regardless, and people overrate the crap out of the Philly special, and the <laughs> the Utley the Utley fake to first throw to home was the is, Earth's fourth down play. Is the Earth's fourth down? I yes. love that. All right, that's a good comp. 
I can get by with that. Not respected, that. not respected enough, but real fans know. I love that. that. That's certainly the high hopes position. That's how we stand on this. Yes. Uh, it's great. All right. Um, then we get Pat the Bat. And that one, you want to talk about one that I thought was definitely a home run? I thought Burrow's ball was out. Like, I, I couldn't believe it didn't make it over the fence. Oh, it's a, again, the fact that that ball deli home run got out and the Burrow yes! didn't. The Burrow one felt way better off the bat. Like, a thousand times better off the bat. Dude, Rocco Baldelli hit a home run, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought that was an easy can of corn to, to burl and left, but whatever. Yeah, the burl. Now, now, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about my my burl uh, disdain, but, like, Uh-oh. congrats on your first World Series hit ever. Um, wow. You know, He's the worst World Series hitter of all time. Wow. You know that, right? What a big hit, though. You know? Ah, th- th- I mean, who hit- cares? All I needed w- is one hit from you, bro, and you got it. Was that yeah. hit? Was that yeah. hit really? Was that hit really worth the first seat in the parade? Hero. He's I mean, hero. not a. He's not a hero. I mean, I mean that w- that was a hero hit. It was. Dude, Pat Burrell sucked. I mean, hero. And- the fact that Pat Burrell's talked about as like a Phillies legend and Jason Worth. <laughs> oh, that's great. And, I, I will agree with if you're going to compare the two. I mean, Worth is a thousand times more important. thousand times better. Don't hate on Pat. Come on. No, it was, it was a big hit, and I was happy for Pat Burrell. Um, but I just, I, I, every time I see it, I'm always reminded of that he's the, <laughs> he's the worst World Series hitter of all time. And it always makes me crack up. And um, well, and by the way, McCarver was right in in this sequence here. I don't know why they were bunting Shane. Like Shane should have been swinging away in that spot. I thought that was silly, actually. Uh, in hindsight, and it all worked out. Thank you, Pedro, and all that. But that like he should have been swinging away there. Because uh, Pedro Feliz isn't the hitter that Shane Pizarino yeah, was. Of course not. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely would not have put money on Pedro Feliz coming through in that position. I mean, but, hey, Charlie pushing all the right buttons, blah, 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 or whatever. But I would, I, I, in hindsight, watching back, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, Tim. I honestly don't think, I think if you asked, I don't know, this will actually be on my questionnaire when I'm eventually, <laughs> like, who drove in the game-winning run for the Phillies to win the first World Series since 1980? I feel like not many people know I it was agree. Pedro Feliz. I think that's a tough one. Um, also, I loved nothing more than watching Pedro Feliz play third base. Uh, just every single throw was fielder. just brilliant. Every, every single throw was a dot just right on the money. Like him and Rollins, every single throw somehow was just right on the money. Yeah, I'm with you. Can we also real quick talk about uh, segue into the next inning here? How good JC Romero was that run? How oh, was, we know why. How, I mean, God, he was so good. Someone who was just a marginal player. I mean, Ryan Madsen's been a great major league reliever. He's had a real run. Like, J.C. Romero was great for a moment in time, and that was it. Well, obviously, we know why. Yeah, but, well, I, like, sh- it's, it's just... I don't know what you're talking so, about. She's great. It's, it was hilarious listening to, I don't know, McCarver or Buck, and they were like... Yeah, this guy they basically picked up off the scrap heap from the Red Sox, and he has like a one ERA since that point. <laughs> like, gee, 
can't figure out how that happened. Um, but yeah, Romero's disgusting. And and then he went from like 94, 95 to 88 in one year. But during that time, I, I mean, it was... It's just, it's what, you can't explain it. It was a thing you can never explain. Yeah. No. Nah. But going from, like, it was him and him and Madsen and, and then Lidge. Even, like, J.D. Durbin, or J- Chad. Not, not J.D. Durbin. Chad Durbin was disgusting. Funny J.D. Durbin. I actually have a J.D. Durbin story. I went to see the Phillies play at Petco Park three games, and the Sunday game was J.D. Durbin versus Jake Peavy, and this is, like, Jake Peavy, heyday, Cy Young, Jake Peavy time. And... J.D. Durbin throws a complete game shutout. And me and my buddy are like the last two Phillies fans in the building at the end of the game chanting, J.D. Durbin. <laughs> never wait, it. wait, what team was? Oh, at Petco. I thought you, at for Petco. Some reason, I, for some reason, I thought you said PNC Park. And I was no, very Petco, confused. Petco, Petco. Um, yeah, it was wild. J. I saw. Well, I watched J.D. Durbin throw a complete game shutout at Petco Park. It was God. unexpected. I did love Jake Peavy, though. Oh, yeah, he was nasty. He was super nasty. PP was one of my guys. Him and, him and Brandon Webb. Oh, Brandon Webb was disgusting. Yeah, truly disgusting. Uh, before we get to the before we get to the ninth, uh, this was my my random moment where I started to like tear up slash get nervous Ooh, all over. Because mine's coming up. I haven't gotten there yet. Mine was heading into the ninth, and Joe Buck saying the Phillies were are three outs away from yeah. winning the World Series, and. Even in rewatching it, I was like, oh, they're going to blow it. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I was so... I, I, I got that nervous pit all over again. They didn't blow it, though, buddy. They didn't. They sure they didn't. Did. All right, let's get to the ninth. Um, definitely have never hung on every pitch as much as that in my lifetime, but it was terrifying. I did not, I, I was taken back to the moment. I did not trust Brad Lidge in that moment at all, even though he was 47 or 47 at that point. Like you just felt uncomfortable with him. And the fact that they stole second was just mind blowing. And I know they had a pinch runner out there and all that, but like that, you don't see teams take the chance to lose the World Series on a caught ceiling. Like, that very rarely happens, Jack. Well, Real Muto would have thrown him out. Obviously. 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 You know, I mean, it's smart. I mean, why, yeah, why, no, would, you, why would you try terrifying. to... I Like, I, I, it's smart. Now. Like, I don't think I would want my guys trying to do that when you're down. I, I, I guess... I guess if you have a really confident base runner and he can get the job done. Well, also, but also you have to factor in that's Lidge. Like Lidge took forever to get to the plate. No matter, like you, you would have had to had a terrible jump not to get second base off of Brad Lidge. Like it was that bad of a of a wind up. Yeah, it's true, but still, it was terrifying in the moment. Um, and then they did it, buddy. The O two pitch. I'm so. I'm so happy it, want, it ended on a strikeout, too. Like, there's just something special about watching a strikeout to win the World Series. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I actually, I actually, uh, you know, in rewatching it for, I don't know, I've seen it a thousand times, but every time I'm like, there's no way Lidge's knees weren't messed up from that. Like, he fell, and then everyone, it was basically what happened to T.O.'s knee in, in 2004, except... I mean, nothing came out about it, but he got like 
He got smoked by Ryan Howard. Like, Ryan Howard <laughs> destroyed Brad Lidge. Oh, he um, crushed him, dude. Crushed Brad Lidge. Even to the point where Chris Myers asks him, or whoever it was interviewing, Ken Rosenthal asked him about it in the postgame thing where he's like, you all right? You took a real shot from Ryan Howard. Well, that's, a, that's another thing, is that uh, um, Ken Rosenthal looked like he was 12. Oh, like a like, little baby. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, like, unbelievable. I thought I thought he was older than that, but uh, Ken Russell looked like a little little baby out there. But yeah, just I don't really remember the ninth. It was just a total blackout by that point of just nerves and excitement, and uh, it was good to relive it. It's good to relive it. Also, didn't realize that Eric Hensky was on the Yankees team in two thousand nine. Oh yeah, uh, he just turned into like the, the pinch hitter guy. Um, but yeah. Just they did it, and they I couldn't did help. It. And I couldn't help. Out. What were you saying? I just couldn't help but think about what a high hopes would sound like the night that's after. That's what I'm saying. And that's the night of a teared up. First of all, shout out to Joe Buck for letting it breathe. Appreciate him being a pro's pro. Stop talking now that his call of the ending was not great, but that's because as we talked about before, he wasn't great Joe Buck yet. But no. let it breathe. Just shut the hell up. Um, I started crying, like flat out crying during the montage of when they showed every single person reacting. Yep. Like right when they showed Howard and they showed Rollins and they showed Utley and they showed all these guys reacting to the last moment. I tears just yeah. coming out. Also seeing Utley smile was weird because during, <laughs> during that time was like definitely not the uh, most personable Utley. Um, so seeing his little celebration was funny uh but yeah just uh just a truly truly magical magical day it really was was hopefully i want to do it again jack i want to do it again and then two days later was the world series parade and i still contest to this day that was bigger than the eagles parade i like that take i still think it was bigger and people will try to say no 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 it was it did it was definitely bigger. My wife now, and I, was... I took a bag pack of beers down to Citizens Bank Park, and we're outside did you, there. Did you go in the, in, in the no, park? We were, no, we were just outside. We couldn't get in. Right. But, yeah, I was I was like a, yeah, just a little kid. Was, I think it was there. like Halloween Day, maybe, or something like that. It or, was it yeah, was yeah, Halloween yeah. Day, because I went home and went out trick-or-treating, trick and... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was freshman year of high school. You're still out of trick or treat. Sure, sure, sure. And this old lady got mad at me for wearing an Utley jersey because of his world bleeping champions. And Get out of here, being, really? That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I remember being like, you know, shut up. Like, stop. Just just be happy they won the World Series. You know? uh, yeah, I didn't so appreciate the cursing today. Stop. 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 Yeah, Come on. Let's, let's grow up a little bit. It's outrageous. Outrageous. But... I need it back. I need they it back. They did it. it. They actually won a World Series. We need it. We need it back, Jack. That's the the biggest takeaway. On it, the overarching takeaway is win another World Series. Seriously. Yeah. It's, and it's, and I, I need give it. me give me CBP that loud again. I'm wistful right now, buddy. It's hard not to get emotional when you think about the the run. Like I, I I've thought about this the last couple of days. Like I just don't connect. And you probably know why, but like I just don't connect with the Eagles Super Bowl run like I did with the the Phillies. Like it just it felt more magical. I know it's obviously magical what the Eagles did, but I 
I just I get more emotional thinking about 2008 and 07 and the whole run than I do the Super Bowl run. I I I guess it's because it's you're going through a lot more with those teams. Like you went through being an Eagles fan with with the mm-hmm. Eagles, right? But you didn't go specifically through the trials and tribulations with that Eagles team. Like it was a lot of mercenaries. I no, mean, it's a great point. It's a great point. But you were able to you're able to grow with those Phillies teams. I mean, like those guys became almost like your friends in a way. And like I just I will always get more chills and uh, more emotional thinking about 2008 than I will the the Super Bowl run. Now maybe that'll change when I get older and whatnot, and I look back on the the Super Bowl run, but. Just 08 was was special, and they should have won more than one, regardless. And uh, it was it was fun to go back and rewatch. It was good to watch. It's good to kind of refresh your memory a little bit and try to take it back to what that night was like. Yeah, it really was, and I'm sure we'll do another rewatch. Uh, you know, more rewatches as uh, this uh, new normal goes on for a while. But this was definitely. Again, like, I, I, I was in tears. Like, I mean, come on. You know, I, it's really all you need to say. Um, all right, quickly, do you have any other final thoughts on the game before we finish up? Because I have one other thing for you. Nope. Okay, so just because it is not anymore, but when we first recorded this podcast, which for those, I guess, tuning in partway through didn't know, we already recorded this podcast once, um, we never got to this point in the pod before, but the day we were recording before was the 11-year anniversary of one of our favorite shows, Parks and Rec. So I was gonna have a little fun at the end, and now it is okay. not. It is not as good anymore because it's not the 11 year anniversary. But favorite, I saw online. I saw a bracket of the best Parks and Rec side characters. So not one of the main characters that had every other side character. Jack, who should win the Parks and Rec side character field of however many it was? That's a it's a loaded question. I have two definitive answers, and one of the two is the correct winner answer. So I'm just letting you know. Uh, my first thoughts, John Ralphio. Yeah, well, I see John Ralphio is the lock winner. Like John Ralphio absolutely has to be the winner of that. Now, if you take John Ralphio out, where do you go? Because he's kind of a little more main, but not really. John Ralphio is the winner. That is the correct. Oh answer. no, I, of course it's it's. Uh... It's the it's the city council. Oh, councilman, councilman jam. jam. Oh, you're great. This is perfect. Yeah. This is why we can do this. Come on, come you on. I love jam. councilman jam. You just got jammed. Yeah, I mean he's the worst, but he's also the best. Oh, he's so great. Those are the two definitive answers. Third would be Joan Calamezzo, but those are the the two definitive winners. Uh, the 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 jo- the two hardest I've ever laughed at Parks and Rec is the Joan Calamezzo at dinner with Ben and uh, Tom when oh it's amazing yeah amazing that and and the second part was was the senior citizens uh sex education oh so good (laughs) what if your banana what if your banana's mushy (laughs) (laughs) every time every time Uh, so well done uh this is high hopes is a very pro parks and rec very Uh, pro podcast and i just will contest to this day that ron swanson is better than michael scott and it's a funnier show it just takes a level of humor that most people can't get to love it cosine all right final thoughts nah, i got nothing i, I don't uh, either i did everything it was great great day 
Hey, let us know. Uh, tweet it at Pot on Twitter, at JackFords, WIP, at James Helzer. Let us know what the next game we should do for this. Like, Because I'm sure there's a bunch that, that we could do. But let us know. Let's see if there's any that a bunch of people want us to do, a bunch of people want to rewatch, because we are certainly open to suggestions. Um, we'll certainly good, have man. time. Yeah, we'll have all we, plenty we, of time to break down games. Yeah, this podcast uh, clocking in at like an hour 15, so that means that we have done over two hours of Game 5 podcasting. Yeah, we're, we're we're trying to make it to how long the game actually lasted, <laughs> which uh, is like 2.45. All right, we'll be back soon. Let us know what game you want us to do as we uh, search for other things to talk about. I'm sure we'll figure it out. Uh, thanks, Jack. This is fun, buddy. Even though we had to do it twice, it was still worth it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, he's Fritz himself. We'll see you later.